We are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is my co-host, the Rutgers homer himself, Joe DeLeon. Good evening, sir. That's a new one. I didn't think I was going to get called a Rutgers homer, but we are 2-0. My, both of my bets on them, they've, they've hit. So well, about I mean, you did say, you did tweet, <laughs> yes, or X. I X'd? I posted. You trip. well, you sent three texts out about Rutgers. So yeah. you triple X'd, a lot like Mel Tucker did, apparently, as he's been suspended. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> come on. I, Look, so, uh, listen, Mel Tucker's yeah. been suspended. Yeah. For people who don't know, let, Mel Tucker and Michigan State uh, pe- technically have suspended him mm-hmm. uh, without pay following an investigation. Brett McMurphy reported that he got fired, and then – Michigan State said, yeah, we did technically want to fire him, but then we, through the process, we wanted to suspend him. So I don't blame Brett McMurphy uh, in that at all. But Mel Mel Tucker's been fired or suspended. Uh, Mainly, Joe, this does not look good for him. No, and it comes at a timely situation. We're going to get into this for a little bit, probably not going to be a super in-depth breakdown on it because it's an ongoing investigation. It's still in a way alleged until he gets fired and that title nine investigation is completed. We don't know for certain what the outcome of it's going to be, but I mean, right now it doesn't look good. They were probably looking for some cause to let him go. There's clearly a lack of institutional control, not only from guys leaving the fight that broke out or not institutional corporate control is not the best way to put it. Yeah, because lack a, of institutional control is multiple programs, just so we're, you know. Yes, let me rephrase. He has a lack of control over himself. He's a bad coach. He doesn't treat his staff very well. He doesn't treat his players very well. And everything has caught up to him to this point where he made a horrible, horrible action. Uh, allegedly. If it is true. Allegedly, if it is true, it is a, just a terrible, terrible action uh, that he is being accused of. <sighs> In our society, men are painted into a corner of sexual harassment. And what normally happens is, is that the general public believes what is being reported by the victim as truth and gospel without anything going on. Here is the truth. Mm-hmm. Number one, we need to let due process play out. Okay, due process has to play out here. Like we cannot just say that he was doing something allegedly, even though he admitted to the act of doing something, but he said it was consensual. Right. So once we know the the outcome of this, we're going to really know. But it seems like they're training towards firing him, though. That's the that's the thing is. Yeah, it does feel that way. But Mm -hmm. at the same time you do have a little bit of a he said, she said type of scenario. She said Mm -hmm. it was, she did not, the victim said that she did not know. Mel Tucker said, we've done it multiple times, okay, with her, you know, even texting me back and, you know, calling me back. The bottom line is, okay, when you're a public figure, you can't do things like this. You can't, you know, there's clauses and stuff like this. It doesn't matter. They can fire him now if they wanted to. Because, you know, adultery is in a lot of people's contracts if you get caught doing it. So I think there's a lot more going on with this Mel Tucker thing than they're leading on. Um, 
So we'll see. That's not the only thing we're talking about. I can't believe I'm saying it. Um, because Texas fans have been so just gracious and humbled or humble about their win over Alabama. But Alabama, man, they do not look offensively. They have issues, serious yeah. issues. Yeah, and they're going to need to figure out what they're going to do the rest of the season because, like, right now, if if that is going to be the week-to-week offensive approach and game plan, and if Jalen Milrow is the guy that they're going to use, they're not going to win – more than 10 games. You know, this might be a three loss season. If they continue to play like that, they can't make the mistakes that they did have the turnovers that they did have the poor offensive line play that they did. But as annoying as Texas fans are right now, that team looked great. That team did everything that they needed to do in, in week two to get the win. And if they continue to do that, man, I I don't see a reason why that they don't win the big 12. I don't think that they look great. But I, I don't – so here's the question that we're going to have here, Joe. Did they did Texas, did Texas look great or did Alabama look that bad? That's the question that I think right. we need to be asking ourselves here. So I think that once we get into talking about the, this game and the Texas A&M game, which we're going to get to, I here's where I think that this is going to be an interesting conversation because – I feel like Texas is that good and Texas A&M is that bad. And I think you disagree with me on the, the No, I think Texas is a here here's what people hear. Does Texas have talent? We agreed on this last week. Yeah, they have talent. They have talent in a lot of places. They had talent last year when they lost by a point to Alabama. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're the most talented team out there. Or that Yes, yes. Bama yes, yes. is down. Yes. Bama yeah. is down. That is not the Bama team that we're used to seeing. If you if you believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is the Bama team that you're used to seeing, you're wrong. No, and I even said that after the game that this clearly this team clearly has regressed, and we're going to uh, un- unpack what some of those holes are that clearly showed up into this game. But my whole point here is that I think from both of these games, there's two outcomes that can be depicted of can Miami be as good as they looked in this game I think that they took advantage of you a mean poorly Texas. coach. Well, no, no, I'm talking about – Oh, I'm saying that Miami, I think, was a matter of circumstance of running into a bad Texas A&M team that helped them look really good. And there's some really good positives that we're going to talk about that, why Miami deserves to be ranked and what their outlook is. But they dominated Texas A&M because Texas A&M looked helpless at times. The flip side of that, I think that Alabama showed some signs of life despite some of their issues that kept them into the game – but Texas is so explosively explosive on offense. That was why they pulled away at the end of the game. And I think that for the week schedule that they're going to face in the Big 12, look, let's be real. It's not exactly a really hard schedule. They can finish with the best record in the Big 12 at the end of the year. Here's the truth. You ready for the outright truth? Yes. Who are the teams that have spent the most money in, re- in recruiting and the transfer portal? Miami and Texas. And Florida State. Florida State sent a sh- spent a crap load of money in the portal. Joe, I think – and now with Dion being 2-0, and mm-hmm. we're going to have to start asking some of these coaches, like, hey, man, I know that you need to get high school players, and I understand that. Joe, I am, I am past this let's get 25, 30 high school players and not attack the portal. I don't think that that's the right way to do things. Not anymore. Adonis yeah. Mitchell is still running on Alabama. <laughs> there is 
a lot of proof after only two weeks of football that the formula for success is attack the portal. And I think that there's going to be a number of teams. Mel Tucker. Well, he didn't do either thing. He didn't recruit yeah, he did. high school guys. He and he didn't had do- 10 wins. Yeah. He had 27 transfers. And then he didn't do it after that. He stopped. They haven't done it. The guys, like have, guys have left. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, he got his $30 million. He's he's okay. Yeah, he's he's chilling. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Texas A&M and Miami. Uh, Miami fans already in the chat um, asking about um, if you're going to give Van Dyke an apology. And no, I said I'm, I was wrong on Twitter. I'm not apologizing for the 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 um, for saying that Sweat on Texas was bad. I still don't think he's he's very good. I did I did I'm say glad, on Twitter. I'm glad that my take hit in reference to Xavier Worthy. Yes, that did hit, and we're going to talk about that. There's that one man can't game. catch, but that man he dropped a wide open touchdown. He did have a beautiful catch though. That he one did. that was dropped in the bucket. Like when, but he when makes that catches, ball was in the air, did you th- you were like, oh shit? Oh, I didn't think he was going to come down with it. That was why the the play right. is even more spectacular is that he made the catch. But when we talk about Miami, I, I I promise everyone this. I did it on my channel. I did it on Twitter. I will I will give Tyler Van Dyke his roses for his performance. He that's the best game of his career. Like Without who could have predicted he was going to play that? His amazing performance. Well, you probably should have if you thought that their offensive line was that good. You did say that you thought I, that they were that good. Right. That's the irony of the situation is that you pull the one quote, the one I said that I didn't like Tyler Van Dyke, but if you listen to the whole segment and the whole preview, and if you listen to me the whole offseason, I've said that Leonard Taylor is a first-round draft pick. I said Cam Kitchens is a first-round draft pick. Uh, I said that they've got some underrated receivers. I said Francis Malco is the best freshman offensive lineman in the country. Like I said all the things that happened in this game, but nobody wanted to listen to any of that. But I'll give Tyler, Tyler Van Dyke his due. Let me, let me say this now. Let me say this. Okay. When you go back before we get into this, before when you go back and watch it, AM's defensive line d- d- what did not was not the issue. No, I just, Miami's O line was just that good. No, J- Joe, they had 27 pressures. 27 pressures on excuse me, not 27. 17 pressures on 30 attempts. I didn't know that. You didn't, yeah, it didn't they, look like that from the game when we watched the game and didn't feel that, like that. But that is very indicative of what Tyler Van Dyke did. So right. we'll see. All right. Let's get rolling. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Share to all of those social media groups. Share to all of those social media pages. If you're listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, and notification bell wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on Fubo TV, welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's talk about good friends over at betonline.ag. Don't go anywhere. We're back next. We got a lot to break down. Stay with us. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. 
Use our promo code Believe50. That's Believe50, B-L-E-A-V, 5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. We're back. Dude, we have to wait till we're taking that out of the show. I'm not. Too- <laughs> I can't listen to that anymore. Especially but are they? Is Texas back? It, it was week two. I'm high on I'm them. I'm the one who was. I was the one in pre-production saying everybody needs to calm down. It's week two. And you were like. And now you're going to come out here and use my take against me. It's I'm not using it against you. All I'm saying is we're going to talk about this game and the outlook, but, but we need to, we we can't immediately jump to the end of the season. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. We'll get to that game in just a minute. Let's just talk about this very quickly. Joe, look at this. This is making the rounds. So Mel Tucker is suspended without pay. Mm. Okay. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is just going around Twitter. If I am wrong, I apologize. It has been reshared in in articles that I've read as well. It has been placed in a bunch of articles. So this has definitely been resurfaced uh, that this is the victim. And she has has a, a professional relationship with the team, though. Okay, so let me just read this. It says, we are excited to welcome Brenda Tracy back to our campus as our honorary captain for Saturday's spring game. Hashtag set the expectation Mm -hmm. and to whatever this nonprofit set the expectation, which is a nonprofit. This is a horrible look, Joe, 2022 spring game with Mel Tucker and the victim right here. Like that, that does not look good. That does not look good at all. The backstory is she had a, a professional role with the team. And I, I don't know if you remember from when you played or not, but when I played, we had um, we had somebody, I forget, I forget what his name was, but they would come and meet with us at the beginning of the season and during the offseason. And they would talk a lot about um, and coach up young guys on how to handle yourself in situations. Yeah, like a field. counselor. Like it, a counselor it, or whatever it was. But, but whatever it was very it. driven on – uh, recognizing situations of sexual assault and and rape and how to help protect people in public and right. you know, be a, a, a good role model. And if you see somebody in an uncomfortable situation, and I'm sure that that was what her role was very similar to helping coach up the Michigan State guys. Uh, Meanwhile, she, she herself was a victim. And the allegation against him is very serious. And it's an allegation. And I kind of I don't want to dive too deep on the allegation until it's finalized. What I will say is him as a head coach, it's just so clear that he took the money and then has made no effort to make any progression. Like that he's an egotist. He kept all that money that he could have given to his staff as even the, so the that's where I was going, that's where I was going with. This mm-hmm. isn't the first thing that's happened. Right. Right. So the first thing that I thought about when this came out this weekend, and Pete Thamel broke the story um, yesterday, was the first thing, Joe, that I, that I have written down was, remember, he was given the money and was supposed to delegate it to his staff and kept it for himself. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. And then now you have this. I, look, giving coaches like <sighs> – Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Brian Kelly, 
Hell, I'll even throw Sark in there now. Giving a guy like Sark, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, Lincoln Riley, even Dabo, even Dabo, giving someone that kind of contract, okay, is warranted. What did he do to warrant that? Now, I would. It was because he was sought after by other teams. That's well, I'll literally tell you the what team got him. He was sought after. It was LSU. LSU. So if you remember during the coaching hire, yeah. LSU was the one floating around the 10, 10 and a half, 11 million. That's where that came from when they fired Orgeron. I promise you it is. Mm-hmm. They talked to Mel Tucker about it. They talked to Mel Tucker. They said they didn't. That's a bold faced lie. I know that they did talk to Mel Tucker and his brass about taking over LSU. Thank God they didn't. And they went with very conservative Brian Kelly, okay? Maybe a little too conservative to some extent. Talk to Lincoln Riley. Talk to a lot of people. Yeah. I just think that Mel Tucker has shown that he can be a, an, an asshole. But here's how I've always saw cases like this. If you want to check my record, you can go to the Darius Guy stuff, things that LSU has gone through in the past. You gotta let due due process yes. play out here. Yes. Like I, I do not want to convict him mm-hmm. off of an article that we read because there were some quotes in there. And I want right. to tell you something: the simple nature that they didn't fire him and suspended him without pay. There's something that's going on there that I don't think that people want to. You know, people are like, yeah. Now, in the article I read, this they said that they've known this for about six months. Like, this isn't anything new. Like, this allegation isn't new. Yeah. Why not take care of this in the middle? Why are you taking care of middle t- taking care of this two weeks into the season? Why? The the timing of it's terrible. And that's let me tell you why. You know why? Because Pete Thamel went out there yesterday and said sources. That's why. Yes. They let this information, it's now public, and this is going to be under a microscope for the rest of the year. And it's, it, it really sucks for the Michigan State players. The crazy thing is they're allowed to hop in the portal if he does Next end up getting days. fired. If he does end up getting fired. Um, and that's kind of why you're, you're in the portal now. I read this article from On3 that uh, now. Even if I, he's suspended, he's allowed, they're allowed let, to? Let me say this. Let me, let me just say this. Okay. On three reported that. I I, I don't know that. Now, I read okay. that from them, but they, you know, <laughs> have been sketchy So at times. Right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that one alone. I don't know. You're right. But as you've said, until there is a final decision and the Title IX investigation has been completed, um, I don't want to speak on the allegations. They are pretty terrible if there is truth to them. Um, and he deserves to be fired if they are true. But again, the big key thing here that you said a second ago, it has been nothing but downhill since he got that extension. And there has been nothing but problems uh, with the contract of him not dispersing the money. Uh, The fight that happened against Michigan. You've got a lack of control of your players and guys hopping in the portal right after the spring. And two of your best players, one, one just started a game for an SEC team, one dominated in two games for an ACC team. He is is clearly not meant to to hold this job, and it was a questionable hire in the first place because he was bad at Colorado. He had one really good season, and it's time to just close the book. If if this comes to truth, if this ends up being true, but for all of it, his 
there are nowhere near enough positives from his time at Michigan State to keep him around. I know Elk says that he doesn't trust anything coming from um, from Bert. He's talking I, about I, Brett McMurphy. I think he's talking about Brett McMurphy. Yes, I think he's talking about McMurphy. They admitted to his story. They admitted that they had had the conversation with him. Yeah. In, I mean, I listened to it. Did you listen to the press conference? Because I did. They were asked about him being fired. They said, well, we're, we're going to go down that path, but legally we got to do X, Y, and Z. They right. admitted to it. But, right? Like they flat out admitted to Brett McMurphy's story that because that we're firing him with calls, we got to go through this, 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 and this. Okay? Yes. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. Let me tell you, let me tell you what the first thing I felt other than him being a, a piece of shit with some of this, meaning Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. Is it because he's a piece of shit that you're firing him? Or is it because you don't think your programs are going in the right direction? Right. That could definitely be part of this that we can point out here is that the first out that they have that they don't have to, well, cause that's, that's the first thing that's brought up in any of the articles that you read. I read, uh, uh, the athletic, an article there, and that was plugged into the article that you don't have to pay him the remainder of his buyout. If he violates moral or has moral wrongdoing, which is, you know, fits this exactly the first instance and opportunity that they have, they're going to take it because they're dissatisfied with his performance on the field. I think that that's why they're, they're pushing to move this as quickly as they are. Um, but they should be firing him for being a piece of shit for doing what he did to this, to the victim. But I, I would be willing to bet but, that Michigan But here's the problem with that though, Joe, here's, yeah. here's the only problem with that. Yes. Is it true? Which we have to wait to, to, to get full certainty. Correct. So, mm-hmm. I mean, in normal society, people aren't suspend. People nine times out of ten are suspended with pay. Right. Okay. Like this isn't like we put football coaches and 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 sports in a different light than we do everywhere else in society. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else in society, you would go to court and you would fight this. Yes. Okay. And nine times out of ten. If you work in a at least in a governmental job, which he does, you would technically because he's employed by Michigan State. I mean, because Joe, here's the here's the problem that I have. The only problem that I have is is if he did it, you're right, fire him, never get hired again. I'm with you. I one thousand percent. Okay. The act of what he's being charged with, allegedly charged with, mm-hmm. is phone sex. Right. It's sexual harassment. It's not as, okay, I want to paint it. I want to walk down this in a thin line. We got to be very careful in saying fire him because he's a piece of shit. When she's saying, okay, one thing, and he's saying another. Mm -hmm. Now, Mel Tucker allegedly is coming out and saying that he has evidence that she also was egging this on. That's why they ultimately suspended him without firing him. So, right. again, I'm just in the camp, and we'll be continue to be in the camp. I don't want to say that he's an outright piece of shit and did something wrong ju- because, Joe, we don't know, right? Like, we just yes. don't know. And I think that that's fair for her as the victim. I think it's fair for him as the uh, uh, oppressor, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And, I again, I, I understand the illustration of the situation. Um. I'm curious to see what does end up happening from this. Like that's kind of my final takeaway is that like I I, I want to know what that final result is because right now 
the evidence that's available is very negatively not in his favor. I want to see what that final result is and what ends up coming of this. Chris, log off. Uh, the only thing is, mm-hmm. how does he have texts from her in this article, whichever article it was that I read? How does Mel T- Tucker have texts from her? And then when she reported all this and turned everything over, texts were missing. Yeah. We had, again, we got to figure out what that so, final decision is. Well, yeah. I'm going to let me just tell you something. As mm-hmm. before we move on here, mm-hmm. bottom line for me is when there are texts missing and she turned him in, that is a massive red flag when you are covering up evidence. Right. Okay. Right. Just throwing that out there. Now, God willing, and here's the truth. This is, and, and Joe, I know this is your heart. So I'm just going to, on the Rafino and Joe show. If somebody is accused and convicted of sexual harassment, the both of us will link arms with you at the steps of the courthouse and do whatever that what we have to do to stop this bullshit, okay? But I do think that everybody is 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 issued or should be issued a fair trial yes. here. Yes. Okay? Yes. We will fight racism, sexual harassment, all of it. I will be on the front steps with you. Call me. Well, if this were the AYS, I have my phone number right there, okay? Mm-hmm. Bottom line. But we have to get to the truth. All right. Yeah. Want to move to Texas and Alabama? Yeah, let's talk football. We're back! You're really just trying to hurt me now. <laughs> well, because uh. here's the truth. So in case you missed it, Texas does beat Alabama by 10. Mm-hmm. 34-24. Jalen, so Joe, let me start off here, okay? Jalen Milrow has to be pulled. How many tweets did I send you last night during that game? By the way, while LSU was playing, saying yes. they got a pulling. Well, he throws two picks. They don't pull him. And look, I know you're going to go in on Tommy Reese. I, I get it. They had multiple times where receivers and running backs were running wide ass open. Texas did not have an answer. You know what the first thought I had? when Milrow was missing those wide-open receivers, what in the outright hell is Dylan Gabriel going to do? That's what I thought because I'm like, hey, man, okay, Jalen Milrow can't hit the broad side of a barn, and that's fine. What's Dylan Gabriel going to do if those dudes are wide-ass open? That's number one. Number two, if Jalen Milrow's your answer and you won't pull him in the middle of the game, what in the how bad is Ty Simpson? That that's right. number, that's number two. Right. Final for me is if you're gonna use a quarterback like Jalen Miller on the dual threat, Joe. Last night he ran for he had 15 carries, 44 yards, 2.9 yards per carry. Okay. And this entire offseason, we had Alabama fans in the midst of this chat. They would come after us. Well, maybe not you, but they definitely come after me. I blame the loss that Alabama had on two people. You ready? Mm -hmm. Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding. It's their faults that they lost. Oh, man. I thought Pete Pete Golding was the problem. I thought Bill O'Brien was the problem. So perfect. The irony, uh, Blake. The, The irony of this. Is, is so hilariously perfect because their offense stunk. Their defense was inconsistent. At home, a game that you should have won, 
You couldn't finish the game. I give a lot of credit. I know that there's, you you highlighted all the issues here for Alabama. I give Texas a lot of credit for doing to. exactly what they needed to do to win and this football Joe, game. they got some breaks. The fumbled snap that they don't get possession of, the running back yeah. picks up, gets the first down. If if Alabama Good gets ball a bounce. stop there, if, if, if Alabama gets a stop there, Joe, we could be talking about a completely different game. Completely different game. That's why yeah. everybody's like, oh, oh, Texas this, Texas that. Bullshit. You're a fumbled snap running back picking up the ball and getting the first down away from getting your cheeks clapped by a quarterback that has no business being in there. Luck was really on their side. Definitely Very was much. on their side on certain spots. But their execution on what was most important to win this football game, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was it was almost flawless. It wasn't perfect, but it was near damn near flawless. They bottled up Jalen Milrow. They played fantastic contain. Uh, I really love watching Anthony Hill. That, that, that kid is a dude. He's a such bolt, a dude, man. A bolt of lightning. He kind of reminds me of Harold Perkins in the way that he's an, he's an off-ball linebacker. He's bigger, he's bigger than Perkins. He's and, not and as he fast can, as Perkins, though. Right. He can really get after the quarterback, even though he was recruited as an off-ball linebacker. He is going to be fun to watch in his time in huh. Texas. You going to keep him off-ball now? Right. right. You, you got to just line him up and send him to go, man. You got to keep setting him up to succeed because – he was a problem. Caden Proctor could not freaking block him. That was a scary day for that, that Alabama offensive line. But not only did they bottle up Jalen Milrow, they loaded the box, and they gave up some of those long touchdown receptions, some of those long splash plays uh, throwing the ball because they Donnie said – Donnie Mitchell, Xavier Worthy. Well, no, no, the other way around. Alabama was able to produce big plays because Texas oh, well, basically Texas said – some too, but yeah, you're right. You're Texas right. basically said – we know that you're going to make a mistake eventually, so go ahead. We'll give you a couple. We're going to load the damn box. You're not going to be able to run the ball at all. Take your shot. You're going to get two of them, but the rest of this game, you're going to throw picks, and you're going to make mistakes, and that exactly happened. On the other side of the ball, though, you mentioned Xavier Worthy, Jatavion Sanders, A.D. Mitchell. Quinn Ewers has not been consistent up until this point, and I have said that it felt like a guy whose confidence was rattled. After he suffered that injury, he lacked confidence. This game, he looked very confident. Once he was in rhythm, he was placing the ball exactly where it needed to be. Okay, so, calm down. Wait, 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 wait. Come on. Some of those throws that he made He were threw fantastic. the ball for 60% completion percentage, and you want to tell me he was darting shit up? No, he, he was not. He wasn't perfect, but for the fact that he was 0 for 7 on deep throws <laughs> against Rice, right. <laughs> to completely turn around and connect with Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell the way that he did, man, I give him a lot of credit. I, played, did, I don't disagree. He played exactly as he needed to, pl- to play, and the rest of the season, if he can be accurate on the deep ball, as accurate as he was against Alabama, it is going to be really freaking hard to stop that offense because what is difficult to stop is receivers with elite speed and a quarterback who can release the ball as quickly as he can. That is a combination for uh, disaster for a lot of defenses, especially in the Big 12. I think Sark called a beautiful game, an outright beautiful game. I I will give viewers this. Some of those, there were drops, but he stills around 60% completion percentage. That has not Mm -hmm. really changed. He did do a lot better throwing the ball down the field. You can't take that away from him, though, Joe. Let's not forget, though. Let's not forget there were some critical third downs in there, critical third downs in there that they got very lucky in. I look at 
The third down efficiency, Joe, they went 7 of 18 on third down. 7 of 18, that's not good. There are a lot of decisions on third down that Quinn Ewers made that were wrong, and they wind up being incomplete, balls being batted down. Let's not act as if, though, if he gets in that same situation again against a team that has a capable quarterback, things can be different. Now, I I don't want to take a lot away from Texas. You're right. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want it to seem like I'm poo pooing on them. Mm-hmm. They won a really uh, won a game against a really good team. I still think Bama's a good team. I still think they can win nine, ten games. Okay, they just faced a better team than them last night. There's not a lot of teams in the SEC right now that could probably take down Bama even with Milrow. But like I said, if there's gonna the problem that I have is I walk away from this game more worried about Alabama than Texas being. We're back. They have. I get that. They have a massive issue at quarterback. Joe, we come out on here. Well, hold on. We come out on the show. We talk about A&M. Okay. We talk about what they're doing offensively. We talk. You talked about Tyler Van Dyke this past week. Mm -hmm. We talk about Jane Daniels. He gets obliterated. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, all these quarterbacks get obliterated. Jalen Milrow is everything that Twitter says that he is, to some extent. What all these other quarterbacks are, that's what Jalen Milrow is. The two interceptions were as horrible as I can ever remember Alabama quarterback ever making, ever. That was horrendous quarterback play. He was late on all of his throws. He didn't look like he was in rhythm. He missed wide-open receivers, and eventually, eventually, that Alabama defense was was broke down at the end. That was the most Les Miles type of game that Alabama played that I've ever remember in my life. (laughs) You you cannot come in here today and say, Texas looked great here, here, and here. Third down, they were horrendous. They're one bounce away from – Alabama potentially going in and taking another lead, a 10-point lead on them. Joe, they Texas looked good. Yes, I will concede that and tell you, yes, they did. Let's not walk away from this and act like Alabama offensively did not look horrendous. Right. I think it's both things. I think that now that we're talking about this more, I think that it is – it's not one or the other. I really well, do think me, that let Texas – me ask you this question okay. so, and you can answer it. Okay. How can it not be when your quarterback played that bad? Right. That's what I'm that was what I was getting at here is that it's it's both sides of the coin here. Texas did exactly what they needed to do to ride momentum into the end of the season. Because again, the rest of their schedule, like their toughest opponents are going to be Oklahoma. It's going to be, I don't know who who's totally off the off the top of my head who's on their schedule, but Oklahoma is going to be one of their hardest opponents. I have them ranked as a top 10 team. They looked a little rough this week against SMU, but that's still one of their hardest remaining games. They don't have any other difficult non-conference opponents. They can do some dangerous things this season. If TCU can run the table and make the college football playoff, Texas can do it too, as long as Sark doesn't do some dumb shit where they go out to play like Texas Tech and Tyler Shuck throws for 400 yards. Because you by the it- way, gave Oregon everything that they wanted. Right, you he literally could do that if you don't show up ready to play. And it literally happened last year when they should have dominated them five a times weeks, a couple weeks after the Alabama game last year. But what you're saying about Alabama 
is completely true, and that's why I was so frustrated in the preseason by picking Alabama to play in the college football playoff, picking them as a top five team. All yeah, of what these, was that? What was that about? You had people uh, making them the national title winners. All of these generic media folks were putting them as the same team that we're used to seeing because it's Nick Saban and it's Alabama. But if you unpack this roster and you point out the issues that they have, all of them showed up against Texas, a team that historically has not shown up in these games. If that was a normal Alabama team, they would have won that football game. Joe, let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is now. Yeah. If you go re- go back and rewatch that game, Texas did show up. I can't disagree with that. But uh, in critical crunch time plays on third down, they didn't. They, no. they Texas didn't show up in critical plays though. You can't go five of eighteen or whatever, or seven of eighteen, and tell me, oh, well, you look great on third down. Bullshit. The defense is getting off the field. Joe, they gave two of those third downs, two of them, came on that last drive when Texas would go in and score. So spare me that that game was, or Texas offensively was kicking their ass all night long. That's not what happened. Jalen Milrow throws two interceptions. He continues to get sacked. And here's the biggest thing. We talked about Pete Golding. People talk, Alabama fans got on my ass because they were like, well, Blake's from Hammond. Pete Golding's from Hammond. He coached at Blake's uh, alma mater at Southeastern Louisiana. So he's a Pete Golding homer. Joe, they didn't have one fucking sack. Not one. And and you know what? Yes, I'm going to defend Pete Golding for just a minute. Mm -hmm. Defensively, in the end, you put a true freshman back there and what was it, Downs or whatever the kid's name is, is going to be an amazing player, a Mm -hmm. fantastic safety. Sark went after his ass all night long and made him make decisions. Joe, stop me if you've heard this before. Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler saying, here comes another bubble screen. That's what they ran all in the first half, and Alabama couldn't stop it. They have a massive issue. I know you want to talk about Tommy Reese. We can do that now. They, Saban, for the first time in his career, for the first time in his career, I don't think he's he's got his head on straight. I, I really don't. You hire Tommy Reese, who is a average at best offensive coordinator, okay? You hire Kevin Steele, who I don't think called a bad game for the first three quarters of that game. His dudes got tired. He they, got set up for failure, though, by the he offense. Got, thank yes. you. And we want to blame Alabama people want to blame everything else, you know, around Saban. For the first time, maybe ever, they're going to have to look at Saban and tell themselves it's on him. That is the worst coaching staff that, that Saban has had, and it's it Without showed question. up. The, I know that you don't want to take away – I, I know you don't want to give as much blame to Tommy Reese because Milrow struggled. He had a very, That's, very bad game. Milrow being there – Tommy Reese, Joe, I know Tyler Buckner sucks cheeks. I get it. But he saw Jalen Milrow in that spring and said, well, at least I need to get somebody in here that can run my system. I know that he had no options. But the play calling was so stupid. It was so stupid. It was – Look who's that quarterback. Uh, But I understand that you've got quarterback limitations, but, like, at the same time, you – 
every series was like, run the ball up the middle, run the ball up the middle, and then we're going to take a shot. That, that was the same crap that he did at Notre Dame, except it wasn't taking shots because they didn't have the threats. It was run the ball up the middle, run the ball up the middle, and then slant to, to Michael Mayer. With that the was when they ran every that play. he has the quarterback, what else do you want him to do? Be a little freaking creative. He's got athletes. He didn't try to get any of those guys in space. He didn't try to do anything. Yo, they ran they ran a bubble we're, screen and he missed it by seven yards. What are we talking about here? What's a damn read option? They didn't run any of that they stuff. They did run read option. They Not ran enough. multiple bullshit. Go rewatch the game. What are you What's watching? The, they ran I multiple, the game. Joe, horseshit. This is how they stopped the read option. They would run it. The RPO behind it. The reason that Milrow would pull it and throw that little slant that would go to God's creation all over the place is because the DN or outside backer would crash down. They would send the safety down behind it. They would eliminate both of them. The DN would crash down. Here comes the safety. Milrow, please run. Remember the bad run that he had? It lost like five yards on third and two. That was a zone read. He made the wrong move. You got a backside slant to Jermaine Burton, a, a third grader. Hey, Ben, would you have made that throw? Yeah, Daddy. Okay, every a third grader would have made that again, throw. Again, I'm not disagreeing with you that Milrow played bad. My point is that Tommy Reese deserves just as much blame. He didn't call a good game at all. It was Again, I said this when he was at Notre Dame, and it happened in this game. Maybe maybe I'm a little bit off base for how much they worked in, in some option plays. Fine. But my point is in why he was a bad hire in the first place is that he has the most predictable play calling. Because no, I can't disagree with that. Same thing, series in and series out. When shit doesn't work and you're an offensive or defensive play caller, you need to eventually at a certain point in the game, whether it's halftime, before halftime, the third quarter, you got to make a transition and say, you know what? This isn't working. We got to try something different. What was working? Let's turn to some different things. And there was just no effort to do that. I jokingly said that they should run the wing T. They should probably run the oh, goddamn that, wing now, T. That was funny. He, now that he, was funny. But in all seriousness, if you can't throw the football, run the goddamn wing T. You've got the big this big ass offensive line. You've got all these running backs. You're not going to complete any passes. Just run the wing T. Something. I, 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 I now, know I'm being a little, I'm being a little hyperbolic. But still. Now, here's the ultimate question. How bad does Ty Simpson stink for them not to turn to him? I think eventually they're going to. I feel like they're going to. Well, Joe, they don't have a choice. Like, if, if they here, here's, here's the truth. Mm-hmm. If this were LSU, if even LSU, if this were AM, if this were Ole Miss, if this were, that's where he needs to be is Ole Miss, by the way. Because that's, I mean, come on. If this were Florida, if this were anybody else, Jalen Milrow would get the time that he deserves to learn and grow. He doesn't have time to learn and grow at Alabama. No. I think that, and maybe this is our final thought before we get to this next game. That's fine. Dylan Lonergan, I think they should – I really think that if this they're not going to they're not going to they're not putting in Lonergan. He's been talked up to have been the best guy in the spring and during or I don't know if it was if he was there in the spring, but during training camp, it was talked up that he was the best guy amongst the quarterbacks. Why is give him a shot? Something if if none of these guys can do it, give anybody a shot. I don't think Buckner or Simpson clearly can't do it if they wouldn't turn to him. 
I feel like Lonergan is the best guy, and there is stubbornness. But he's not turning to him either for a reason. This isn't. This isn't. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's BS. And let me tell you something about Bama fans and Bama media. They will pump sunshine as far as 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 the naked eye can see. That's horseshit. Now. Now, Lonergan might be able to come in and do some better things in the passing game. Sure. Is he better, worse than Milrow? I don't think so. But, Joe, they literally played freshman quarterback before. Tua and uh, Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts say hello. He Hold on. Tua didn't play until the national championship game, though. No, that's bullshit. That is complete and utter bullshit. They would kick the shit out of everybody, and at halftime, he'd come in. Yeah, exactly. They would never start him. Hold on. So hold on one second. Just stay with me before we move on. Okay. You mean to tell me that in a national championship game, in a national championship game, you will take the guy that brought you to the dance and put in a true freshman in Tua, who, by the way, didn't really have an amazing half. We remember him because of the throw, right? We remember him. He took a really bad sack. He, He threw, you know. Didn't look fantastic, but you won't pull Jalen Milrow. They pulled, right, that's why I don't think any of those options. Pulled, are who was the kid when uh, Bama was playing USC that they pulled and put in for Jalen Hurts? The kid wound up going to like the Arizona State or some. Yeah, shit like I know. Who you're, I know who you're talking about. He was really highly sought after recruit, and he sucked. And they pulled in for Jalen Hurts. And by the way, Jalen Hurts fumbled on that first drive. He comes back and he never looks back. That's BS. Saban's getting the – and and, I could go on this for days. And, Joe, people were like, oh, look, y'all better be scared of Saban. Andy Staples out there saying, oh, we should all be scared of uh, uh, Saban because he's giggling at press conferences. No, the Saban that kicks everybody ass is telling the media to suck his, you know, his toes, okay? (laughs) Uh, Saban never is that friendly to the media when he when yeah. he's going to have a good team ever. Yeah. All right, they're cooked. They're not cooked yet because there's going to be something I'm going to say in this show. Everybody shitting on the SEC right now, rightfully so. They may be down. All I'm going to say is is that it's week two. Fair. It's Fair. week two. It's week two. If, I will not disagree with that. If if this continues. Yeah, they're down. I don't care that the SEC's down. I just want the team that I cheer for. If the SEC's down, that means we can get to the playoff. Exactly. Just, well, I'm not if there's only one team, but still. Joe, if the SEC's down and your team's not? No, I'm saying if, if the SEC's down, that there's probably only going to be one SEC. If the, SEC da- if the SEC is down, they might not lose a game until Bama. LSU won't lose a game until Bama. And are mm-hmm. you completely confident – LSU going into Bama and Jalen Milrow doing something. Oh, they're going to – they're LSU. Don't gonna say it because every time LSU. we say something like that, that – All right, all right, I won't, I won't, I won't. All right. Speaking of the SEC being down, though, man, oof, geez, Texas A&M, geez, what did – All right, tell me your thoughts. Okay, so I said this earlier in the show. Yes, I was wrong about Tyler Van Dyke. I watched enough of him in his career – to have come to a conclusion, he was an older player. A lot of times older players who make consistent mistakes tend to not outgrow them. He played the game of his life. Completely. He had he has some of the best receivers he's had in his career. That is the best offensive line he has had in his career. That run game is fantastic. I said that coming into the game. 
that their offensive line has some young pieces, and Francis Malagoa is the best freshman offensive lineman in the country. Credit to Mario Cristobal for getting him and that whole group ready to go. He knows how to coach and get offensive linemen ready. There are a lot of explosive offensive weapons, and on the defensive side of the football, there are a number of first-round picks. Leonard Taylor, Cam Kitchens. I'm high on both of those players. Go check my pre-draft board that I did on my other channel. That performance by that team collectively as a whole was exciting to watch. I think that Miami could do damage in the ACC. And the other thing, too, about this is I was one of the few people that was willing to put Miami high up in the ACC in my power rankings each week. A lot of people were willing to say that they're a back half of the ACC team. I'm going to be willing to be more bullish and put them even higher than that because UNC looked like crap against App State. Still, it's week two. We need to see how they finish. We need to see how they play against Florida State. I will, though, say this this much. I put a lot of onus on Jimbo Fisher and the lack, lack of execution by the team. To not take advantage of the critical special teams errors in the beginning of that game, to well, not take advantage points on them, but to not ride that momentum, to be aggressive, to attack, to try and create an even bigger lead, there there was no juice. It was soft. The approach by that whole t- that team had no energy. That Texas A&M team had no energy. So by the end of the game, when you're getting punched in the in the dick the whole game, there was no energy to fight back. I put all of that on Jimbo Fisher for that performance. I give Miami credit for showing up and completely choking out a team that did not want to play. But J- Jimbo, it's time to call it quits. It's time to call it quits if you're Texas A&M. They have the money. If Charlie Weiss can get paid for a decade or for however long he did by Notre Dame, they have the money to pay his damn buyout because that team is not going to get where they want it to get. That team will never become a national championship winning team with Jimbo Fisher as the head coach, because they're going to show up like that in every important matchup that they have. You're going to show up and fight against Bama? That's the only game that you'll show up for. Nothing else. Well, here's the thing, Joe. Are you a 1,000% confident that Texas A&M can't beat Bama? That's a good – This, but, okay, if they beat Bama on a down year and they finish with five, six wins, which I still think is how they're going to finish, like I predicted at the beginning of the year – well, let me ask you this. Let me do it hypothetically. Okay. The only other do you well, do you think they lose to LSU? I I want to say yes, but Okay. They beat them okay, hold on. Just oh, just just all right. Okay. Can they beat Mississippi State? No. I know my Mississippi State wasn't perfect yesterday, but no. I don't think so. <laughs> okay, well this this point isn't going to where I think it was. I surely think you don't think that they can beat Ole Miss. Well, I predicted them to go to go five and seven before the season, and I blindly no, kind of bought in. Off, that team is better offensively. I think you. If there's one thing, one team I will give credit to, it is Miami. Miami did whatever they wanted. Miami out athleted them. Okay, without question, Texas A&M got out athleted with all those five stars. That's my whole point, Blake, is that Texas A&M, their roster is as athletic, if not more athletically talented than Miami. They have all of those guys and none is of them it? are coached up. That is, is on your – yes. What, Texas A&M, we talk, about the, we talk about this the whole Yeah, offseason. but Joe, just because it says – so here's the thing about blue chip ratio and all that shit. 
it doesn't matter when I can watch the film and say that te- that Miami has more athletes than Texas does. Texas not, this, does. Excuse me. That's not a, my, bottom not line a, is. It's not, a Miami, it's not a Miami take, though. My point is that Jimbo is not getting any of these guys ready. None of those guys were ready to play in that game. All right, I'm going to push back a little bit. I do agree with you that this looks really bad on Jimbo. I'm, I don't think that they should fire him just yet. If this continues, yeah, okay. If you can't finish out the season, I think people – I hate when people want to call for a coach, not name Mel Tucker, fire him after week two. Joe, he could run the – like, look, this season has more 2007 vibes than I think I can ever remember, all right? You could have teams with multiple losses in divisions, okay, that you haven't ever seen before. Mm-hmm. I don't – so let me just say this. Number one, I don't agree with you about they didn't have things ready. Now, here's the here's the thing. Miami ran for 77 yards offensively, 77. They could not run the ball on them. They got shut down. They got bailed out by Tyler Van Dyke and fantastic play calling. Fantastic play calling. Defensively, they did not have a good enough game plan for Van Dyke. They got pressure on him. They did. They sent blitzes. Van Dyke just picked them apart. But when it was athlete on athlete, that offensive line got pieced apart by a really good defensive line. It shows up in those rushing stats for Miami. I look at Miami and see, look down the road and say that Miami Florida State game is a must watch, a must watch game. Miami versus Florida State. I still think Florida State's a better team than them. Yes. Just want to look, you had 13 sophomores and three freshmen starting yesterday for Texas A&M. How are they going to respond as they continue to grow and get more experience? That would be the question that I would want to know. I do agree with you that Jimbo's got to figure some shit out or they need to fire him, but fire him for who? I don't, I don't know off the top of my head right now who are the best coaching candidates. I mean, like, why wouldn't you go after Deion? If you if you say Sonny Dykes, I'm I'm shutting the no, show no, off. No, no, no. Why wouldn't you go after Deion Sanders? Like, why why wouldn't I do that? Okay, if, well, well. First off, first off, have you ever been to the state of Texas? Uh, I have not. I mean, Deion will not be the head coach. <laughs> he was a Dallas Cowboy. What? What? He's got ties to Texas. It's true. I could totally see that happening. Them firing Jimbo. And then, you know, we get They're an anonymous report Deion, that Deion Sanders gets on a plane. Where's he going? Oh, he's going he's to college station. He's not going to Texas A&M. I, can't see, I just can't see it. I, I agree. I think that if he went to a Texas school, it would probably You know be why? Weird. Because then he'd have to let Connor Weigman hit the road. And I will tell you this. True. Alabama will give that kid a million dollars to well, come to well, come to them. Well, technically, should, should Dirk Sanders can't transfer – Again, he yeah, can. he can. He could be a grad transfer. Yes, he can. Uh, he would have. That's assuming he's graduated, though. We don't hey, know. If JT Daniels can transfer seventy-two times, Shador Sanders can. I'm just saying that it, we have to assume that he's graduated. Before we're already talking about that. this guy being fired. I, I, I even told I, you that. I, look, my main point though is that th- that lo- that loss is so indicative that Texas A&M is never going to figure it out under Jimbo Fisher. What if Texas A&M fired – this is from MR in the chat. What if Texas A&M fired Jimbo and hired Mike Norvell? 
I don't think Mike Norvell leaves. You're missing, the, you're missing his point. I know, I get the joke. I get the joke. But <laughs> actually, you know what? That's a good damn point. He left FSU to go to – that job is impossible to win in. I don't know why, but it's just a cursed situation. It is. Here's my thing on the game. I think that Tyler Van Dyke bailed him out. Joe, on 21 completions, he had 374 yards and five touchdowns. The little uh, uh, Hispanic kid, what was his name? Uh, the wide oh receiver. Um, yeah, number seven. Restrepo. Oh Restrepo. Yes. yes. Six catches, 123 yards. Jacob, uh, 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 Jacoby George. Okay, three touchdowns on the day. They, that kid's a monster. That, okay, that kid is here, ridiculous. Here's the thing. They, they out-athleted Texas A&M. I don't think schematically Bobby Petrino called a bad game. I, I really don't. The first no. Wagman interception is him falling down. I, I, they just got better athletes all across the board. That that was the game. Tyler Van Dyke had time to throw. Okay, even though he, there were 17 pressures, he would step up in the pocket and let that thing rip. They had an amazing game plan. By the way, both coordinators are from um, the state of Louisiana. But nevertheless, they had amazing game plans and they out-athleted them all across the board. But that's the hilarity and the irony, I think, of this game, is that it's not like they were playing like – it's not like – I, I can't – I'm going to get killed for saying this, but it's not like they were playing Notre Dame, which doesn't have the same level of athletes as, as Miami has. They played a team that has Texas A&M over the past couple of years accumulated – the most talented athletes over the past couple of recruiting cycles. And none of those kids have played consistently enough at a high enough level for them to win those important games. That to me is the true exposure game because playing against Nick Saban, blah, 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 whatever the outcome of that game is other SEC opponents, blah, blah, blah. You know what? We're, we're going to have time to talk about that eventually, but the exposure in a game where it's supposed to be athlete on athlete and you're supposed to, you've had these kids for longer than Mario Cristobal has. And you can't get those guys ready, ready to go, excited, ready to attack. They they looked half asleep. That's what I got. Yeah, I mean, I if I'm Miami, I know that they're happy, and I'm I know that they're glad that they beat Texas A&M. They should be. You yeah. beat a ranked opponent, but Joe, I am telling you, I continue to, I, I you know. People keep telling me about this offensive line. I don't think you're wrong. Okay. Like, I don't think that, it, I, I think that they have a really good offensive line, but they got pushed around up front against AM in the running game. Pushed around. If Texas AM can push them around up front, what in the world do you think Florida State can do? Yeah, that might be a rude awakening, sadly, for, for Miami fans. And you and, guys are probably and, mad. And here's, <laughs> and here's the truth the secondary at Florida State is much better. Mm. Jordan Travis is not going to make those mistakes. Mm -mm. So we gear up for when is that game? By the way, when is Miami and Florida State play? That is a that is much watched TV, barring that Miami doesn't slip up or Florida State doesn't. November. Slip up. Oh God, we got to wait that long. Man, that could be a really good football game. I'm excited. Jeez. Those are the two teams in the ACC right now that look to be the best. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't and, seen and anyone North else. Clemson stinks. Ugh, North well, Carolina. North Carolina having a battle with Appalachian State. 
South Carolina going to get their asses kicked this weekend against Georgia. I'm out on North Carolina, by the way. That's I know that's a little <laughs> sudden, but like, dude, you can't back to back years. You can't do that against App State. Whatever. I don't. We don't need to linger on that. That's just yeah. Insane. It, it looks to be a state or, or Miami. You know what's funny about this too? Mm. I keep seeing Danny Cannell say, "Oh, well, ACC versus the SEC." Bitch, your team wants out of the ACC. Right. <laughs> How can you be bragging right. about the conference that you're in when right. your team wants out of it? We got to settle that down. <laughs> yeah, you better set it. Joe, Joe, here's the truth. You better win more than once. You yeah. better have more than one good year before you start talking ish. All right. Want to get to – before we get out of here, you want to talk on this Ole Miss and Tulane game? Yeah. Um, I Ole Miss is in trouble. Yeah. I think that this game, Ole Miss ends up winning. Um, the final score of this game is it, this, it's just, it was a 37 to 20, I believe. What it 37 was. 20. They put it on but the it, right. It was really close for most of this game. And AM, or and not AM, Ole Miss was down for a period of time. I think that as what you're saying is yes, they are in trouble because Tulane kept that game close for most of it without Michael Pratt in the game. I think that God, what would have happened if Michael Pratt would have played? That's my point. Jesus Christ. That Tulane team is as good as that Cincinnati team that made the playoff. Like I really think that they could have won that football game against Ole Miss. I'm not willing to go there yet. I don't know, dude. They looked really good with without without Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt is good enough that he he's going to be like a top 100. Michael Pratt is not the storyline to me though. Michael Pratt being out is a far cry from yes. what that game what the, the talking point should be. The talking point is is that Ole Miss can't throw the damn football. Well, let me let me defend Jackson Dart to some extent. It's okay? not his fault. I don't think it's, it's his fault. It's not it's not his fault. Joe, they got dominated offensively up front. Yes. If Pete Golding, if Pete Golding is still at Alabama, they might have been upset by Tulane. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. they might have been upset. Quinchon Junkins, okay, had 18 carries for 48 yards, 2.7 yards per game. That's insane. Or per carry. They got dominated by Tulane. And what did I tell you? I told you that if this game was close, that those little itsy-bitsy Tulane fans were going to come out and saying, we want to be in a Power Five. And what happened after the game? We deserve to be in the Power Five. We didn't have Michael Pratt. But the truth is, uh -huh. they physically dominated Ole Miss at the point of attack and that offensive line. Right, and it's kind of funny. We spent the whole offseason talking about Ole Miss's offensive capability. They're not the best team we talked about <laughs> we talked about the receivers that were added. We talked about Quinshawn Judkins in the run game and like uh, even some of their defensive pieces. Like uh, Pete Golding, I, I give him a lot of credit for how he called that defense because they they played really well defensively in this game. But one thing that we overlooked is the offensive line. That offensive line will not match up with LSU. That offensive line, I don't even know if they're going to match up well against Alabama. They could get really hurt by a team that's got a strong defensive line. And as much as we were high on and I was high on Ole Miss this year, I am very, very worried about them being able to protect Jackson Dart.
because he's a guy who needs time. Like he made some good throws. He made some nice plays with his legs. You have to, I, I don't know how you can fix this. It's, it is going to be a long year if they don't protect him better. Do you want daddy to tell you how? Uh, I'm not going to concede the first part of that, but sure, you can tell me how. Okay, let me pull this back up. Hold on. <laughs> Tulane. Uh, well, first and foremost, Lane's going to have to – Lane's going to have to start recruiting better up front, okay? Like, they have been so piss poor at development up front, it is a, a alarming. If he is one of the best pl play callers in the country – He's just going to have to schematically, you know, he's going to have to throw these little quick screens. He's going to have to continue to throw these little quick slants, get the ball out of Jackson Dart's hands, and then later in the game, hopefully you, that, that defensive line is worn down and you can run the football. There is no business whatsoever that they should have gone into human, come into New Orleans, and not being able to run the ball and establish the line of scrimmage. None. None. Zero. That is in that I know that they walk away with the 37 20 win. I, I get all that, whatever. That is embarrassing. That is outright embarrassing. It doesn't matter who, what team it would have been against, you know. But here's the thing, and I'm going to tell you something. Last year, USC got beat by Tulane, and you said that this team was better. Now, if you're oh. going to say that this team is better, and everybody's shitting on the SEC, then you're going to have to give Ole Miss their flowers too. Now you can't you, you can't have you can't have your cake and eat it too. Now, well, wait, wait, I didn't. Nothing I said was nothing I said. I'm not no business being in the top ten. Then, then put them in there. Put Ole Miss in there. Then, because if this team is better than the team that they had last year, and they beat Ole Miss, uh, they beat USC. Well, then what does that make Ole Miss? I think that that's kind of part of what I'm getting at here is that I don't I don't want to take too much. I, like, I don't want to – I'm digging at Ole Miss and they need to fix stuff, but the best G5 team in the country is Tulane. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the main point that I'm getting at here. Probably. They, yeah. all, they are better than last year. They did a decent job in the portal. They only lost two important players, Dorian Williams, linebacker, and Tajay Spears. They kept the rest of that. Like they've got really good receivers. They got a really good offensive line, some defensive line pieces. I don't know, dude. I think that that team is really good. And if, if they hadn't lost that game, if Michael Pratt plays that game, we might be sitting here talking about them going on some sort of a run and, and maybe making a making a little bit of noise the rest of the year. Yeah, Kai Horton was horrible. Yeah, yeah people were trying to talk him up. I don't know about that. Yeah, everybody's like, "Oh, he played so great, dog. He went fifteen of thirty-seven. <laughs> that is he not was a good horrible." Game. He was horrible. All right, before we get out of here, uh, anything else stand out to you from this week? Uh, I mean, except for Notre Dame's offense looking really freaking good. But, of course, uh, that's what you're going to say. You know what? You know what stood out to me? Mm -hmm. This is back-to-back weeks. Joe Milton in the beginning of a game looked like dog crap. Dude, that's another one, man. This is like I, they played Austin P. But I don't – I'm really not – I wasn't totally bought in on Tennessee, and I was kind of like, let's let's see what happens here. Um, I'm very wary. He opened up the game happens. 0 for 8. He's got no touch. I tried to say that during the offseason. He's got no touch. He's got a huge arm. No touch. By the way, I know it's one game, mm -hmm. but I watched on the Sunday ticket the entire Indianapolis Colts game. 
Yes. Dude, Anthony Richardson looked good, man. <laughs> he fucking looked dude, good, for dude. A, for a guy who has no damn clue what he's doing, my man looked good. My man looked stellar. That was a great performance by him. For a guy that has just said, they basically just said, Anthony Richardson, just go out there and play ball, man. We're, we'll figure it out. There was With no game no plan that week. Taylor. There was no game plan. It was like, yeah, hey, let's just run the ball. Yeah, a bit. I, like, I, some fun. I, I might be conceding <laughs> this one, but let, let's, see, let's see how this trends. Look, the Colts don't draft bad quarterbacks. No. Chris Ballard's a good GM. I, I just – I love it because it's – it's it, it's it's backyard football. It's like he looked good, man. I I, I got. I'll admit it. He, yeah. he, you know, you, you know what I wanted to do. So look, I have not played PlayStation in uh-huh. a long time. Okay, I, I'm about to go start me an NFL draft when the kids go to sleep, and I'm going to go do it with the Colts. Let me know how that goes. Oh, yeah. I'm going to kick everybody's ass. I'm going to get a text in like a week and you're going to be like, I traded Anthony Richardson. I started. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trading him. He's too athletic. And look, I love, you know, you know me. I love quarterbacks that can move. Yeah. Let's see. All right. See. You know what else stood out to me too? I thought, I think Ohio state got better offensively. I, I, I really do. 35 to seven against Youngstown. Yeah. But Joe, I'm the final score does not indicate how they looked with that first team in the beginning. All right, of the I, I will admit I didn't watch a damn second of that. Okay, game. Well, <laughs> they really took their the gas the pedal off the metal on that one. If that was CJ Stroud, they put up seventy. You, you shit more than that. By the way, I was right about Wazoo. Oh yeah, Cam but Ward. You know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? That game was twenty four twenty two when I messaged you. I was yeah. like, oh. But then the guy that you continue to tell me was not that bad, Tanner Mordecai, sucked. I'm out on him. I'm out on him. I'm in on the Washington State defensive line. I'm calling it right now. Washington State's defensive line is going to dominate somebody. I think they play Oregon and Washington. They're going to beat one of those teams. How about this? Here's a stat for your ass. You ready for this? Bo Nix is about to break an all-time starting quarterback or, or, or all-time stat for the most starts in college football. It's easy when you're 45 years old. He's almost the same age as you. It's a not – yeah, he's hey, how about this? Sam Hartman's also a year younger than me. God, no. It's weird. It's weird, I know. Dude, we're ne- there's so many records that are never going to get broken, including that Bo Nix one because of COVID. Very true. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Peace.